0: Hello again, Nightmare Society. I hope you all are doing well. I have a rather creepy story to tell you tonight about someone who was attacked when they were at their most vulnerable, while in the hospital. And another story about being in your most vulnerable space, your home. What happens though when you rent your safe space from a creep? We shall find out. A big thanks to users Cy Knox and our anonymous contributor for sharing their stories with us tonight. It's been long overdue, but I wanted to thank some really awesome listeners for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving a review helps out our rating and reach other potential listeners. So thank you to Gwendolyn, Flow29, I Like Ducks107, Emma Said. Leah Crow, D-R-L-V-L, Sino 86, Alexis 311, Acceleron, Loving My Great Life, Finley Hart Nightmare Society, really love that username. Uh, Spalding 67, Sadie 1842, Chad W 31, B Kazula, Samurai Taco 21, this girl Chris One, X Mind The Apex, Abu Broccoli Rob Four, another amazing username, uh, Sonoran Flower Child, and the reviewer, I believe they just pounded the keyboard a few times to leave a username, but it starts with Z N S J D J D J D J D and continues on that way. Um, The person with the technical writing background who left a review saying they know that no one will ever care or take their review into advisement. Um, I read all the reviews um, eventually and take them all into consideration, so thank you for leaving your feedback. Um, But since I can't comment on the reviews, I thought I would address your issues here. Number one, you asked, is there a rule that every story contains the phrase book it? No, there is no rule. I'm sorry that that phrase uh, might be an issue for you, but I do like to keep the story as close to what the person originally wrote as possible. Um, It is their story to tell, and ultimately, I'm just narrating it for them and for you. Number two, you say that you agree with the previous commenter that lack of speed and inflection is frustrating. Uh, With the plethora of similar podcasts available, most of them will read with inflection and speed. I'm sure you can find one you like, but it will not be this one. My goal is to offer something different to people. I started this podcast because I was looking for stories being told in a way that doesn't sound like a bedtime story for a five-year-old. Um, I am a fan of some of these podcasts myself, actually, but that is not my personal style. And number three, you ask, is there any way to make it clear when you're switching from one story to the next? Most of the stories end in a way that you're clear they're over, such as creepy man in the parking lot. Let's not meet again. And most of the stories begin with something like everyone's favorite. I was a 15-year-old female when this happened. But just to be more clear, I always add music between stories. So when you hear... That means that story is over and we're moving on to a new one. Or moving on to the closing of the podcast. So hopefully that has cleared those uh, questions and concerns up for you. If you do have any more, please feel free to reach out at Nightmare Society radio at gmail.com or feel free to shoot us a message on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. I've also had a few people reach out to me recently over episode cutoffs. Um, this isn't just a recent phenomenon, it's been happening for probably ever since I've been on Spotify. Um, but these almost always happen specifically on Spotify. For some reason there's an issue with them from time to time, but my best suggestion would be to find the episode on YouTube. We sometimes also have issues with YouTube sharing the episode, particularly if it's over 20 minutes long so it may not be immediately up, but unfortunately that's the best I can recommend at this point. Besides maybe restarting Spotify and coming back later and trying to re-download. I've had a few people have issues with episodes on Spotify cutting off that other people have listened to without any issues at all. So I'm not sure where the issue is, it must be in Spotify somewhere. Uh, Maybe delete the episode and retry downloading while you're on Wi-Fi. So I'm sorry that that's been an issue for some of you guys, but unfortunately that's all I have for you right now. If you do have an issue with a cutoff in an episode that you would like to let us know about, please email us at NightmareSocietyRadio at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Instagram at NightmareSocietyRadio. Uh, Please do try and make sure to note at what minute mark in you're experiencing the issue um, so we can look into it specifically. Now moving on, I wanted to thank my Patreon members for always being incredibly awesome. A big shout out to my longtime supporter Danielle, and a big welcome to some new members. Randy, Caitlin, Rebecca, Julie, Paola, Jamie, Mariah, Sarah99, Biff, Richard the Dog, Billy J, Andrea, and Catherine. I really appreciate you guys and all of my Patreon members who support the Nightmare Society. Now that all the fun stuff is out of the way, let's get to the creepy stuff. So get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of the Nightmare Society. hospitalized due to immunodeficiency for multiple infections including one that had to be surgically excised. A lot of crazy stuff happened during that visit including being misdiagnosed with AIDS and flesh-eating bacteria. This is at one of the best hospitals in the US by the way. But this was by far the scariest thing that occurred at my stay. One night at about 3 a.m. I think, one of the nurses came in. I woke up because I had slept a lot that day and the bright lights in the hall bothered me. It wasn't my normal male nurse, but an older woman, maybe mid to late 40s. I had never seen her before and she looked very serious. She did not acknowledge me at all when I greeted her and asked her questions. But she just finally said, It's time for your medication. Or something like that. I tried to respect the fact that she didn't want to talk, and just faced forward again. Also because it hurt to move. But I noticed that she had a much larger volume syringe than usual. My morphine dose was always given in a 10 to 20cc syringe. But this thing was huge. Like a 100 to 500cc syringe. And the accuracy couldn't be that good. So I turned my head again and asked. Trying to sound friendly and interested. What my dosage was. And if she was sure she had gotten the right person. She ignored me. And I continued. Because I think maybe normally my dosage is a lot lower. would you mind double-checking she only said go to sleep this will be over soon she injected the medication and left i was kind of out of it i was just so used to all of this stuff going on around me that i figured i was mistaken i tried to go back to sleep but even before the medication hit me i felt like there was something really wrong I thought about kinking the IV line, which would cause the alarm to go off and force the issue, but I just told myself to calm down and try to go back to sleep. They do this for a living after all, and it was probably just a change of nurse that was bothering me. So after a time, I don't really know how much time, I start to feel more genuinely and undeniably weird First everything felt hot, or rather hot on the outside. Like I'm radiating heat from the surface of my skin everywhere, but cold on the inside of my skin. Around then I started to notice that everything had turned a shade of red and it was all pulsing with what I imagine was my heartbeat. So I'm staring at the ceiling in the dim and everything I can see is through this red filter pulsing slightly i can feel goosebumps on every inch of my body then i can feel nothing i lose all sensation in my skin i can still feel pressure but i can't feel anything else except the intricate ripples across my body as though i'm naked and the window is open and eventually these fade but they're a good example of the mental confusion that set in For example, after a while, I couldn't tell if my eyes were open or closed, if I was actually seeing or thinking I was seeing. When all of the sensation finally left, I felt like I was floating about five inches off of the surface of the bed. I realize as I'm testing my ability to sense things that I'm having a hard time moving. Moving my hand or arm takes a concerted effort. At this point I somehow managed to hit the call button, for which I am later grateful. But nothing feels emergent. The whole thing comes with a warm fuzziness. So I spend a lot of time just playing with trying to move my hands or my arms, watching them before realizing I'm not actually looking at them, but nonetheless gradually losing my ability to move anything at all. Around the time I can only barely move my wrists, not my arms or fingers, and my legs are in a foreign country, I start to feel concern. I realize on some deeper level in the back of my mind that the feeling I have in the pit of my stomach is clenching concern, and that this actually has the potential to be very dangerous. I want to hit the button again, or even call out, but I'm just too tired my muscles will not move and now I notice that the pulsing isn't as frequent as it was though it was only upon reflection later on that I fully realized the significance of that so I kind of mentally slapped myself and set about consciously focusing on breathing in and out in and out and don't forget in That's the hard part. It felt like the nurses never responded for at least I would have guessed about 20 to 35 minutes. But suddenly, as if in slow motion, it seemed like a lot of things happened all at once. There had been this growing tension in me. If I could have flexed every muscle in my body, I would have been. I was fighting something very hard. And then my nurse came in, my male nurse, whom I had thought was out for the night. The moment I hear the door open coincides with the sudden release of all the heavy mass that had settled over me, like a soft heavy blanket that wouldn't let me move. And I suddenly sat up and projectile vomited into the bathroom next to the nurse who was just walking in. After that, I could move. I could even speak after a few minutes. My nurse seemed relieved to say the least. He cleaned it up and sat next to me and talked for a while. He said that another nurse had been trying to help him and mixed up my dosage, but he didn't seem to want to give much detail. It wasn't until years later that I thought, I was in the terminal ward. I had been out of it for days. Clearly invisible pain for some of it. I was the youngest person there by 40 years or so. I wonder if it was just a mistake. Or if that woman was an angel of death. Either way, I refused morphine for the rest of my time there and ever since. I wouldn't accept any of the other painkillers either. So to the strange angel of death nurse who almost killed me. Let's never meet again. This takes place four years ago in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm originally from California, so trading up city life for a less urban life was very challenging for me. Making friends was hard, but I made the move to be with my dad who lived in an apartment complex with a roommate. My dad was a trucker, so he was gone for weeks at a time, while I was left alone to work and come home to a foreign place that I was slowly becoming accustomed to. My roommate was gone most of the time because he had a girlfriend and he would leave his dog with me, so I never really felt truly alone. I had an old lady for a neighbor that would come up and check on me too. That's how people were in that area and I found it kind of nice how people knew their neighbors. I got to know everyone in my building's name after about six months of living there, except for one. There was a man, I'd say in his early to mid 50s who lived directly below my apartment He looked, for lack of better description, like a creep. He was balding except for on the sides of his head, which that hair was straggly too. He was tall and kind of skinny and had outdated 90s glasses that you'd see on America's Most Wanted and a thick mustache. He was the only person in the building who wasn't friendly. Or at least didn't make the effort to say hello or introduce himself to me. He also happened to be the maintenance man for all five buildings. I didn't think much of this at first. I honestly don't care if you're not overtly friendly to me. I enjoy having space of my own. And sometimes being too friendly is suspicious to me. That's just a personal problem but I'm explaining why it didn't send up any red flags at first. One day when I was pulling out of the driveway to go to work in the morning, I noticed across the large lawn that led to the door to our buildings, the maintenance man was standing in the center, staring directly at me. Stare, I guess, is the wrong word. It was more like a glare. At first, I looked around, confused, thinking perhaps he was looking at someone behind me. I was the only one there. Although a bit creeped out, I shrugged it off and continued with my day, forgetting all about it. The next day, I was over at my neighbor Claire's apartment, the older lady, and she happened to bring up a maintenance issue she had, but mentioned she would never ask the maintenance man for anything and neither should i i tried to ask her more about what she meant by that but she ended up being very broad and said something along the lines of everyone around here just kind of knows he's a creep fast forward to the first incident it was around 2 a.m and i was still awake but only barely i was sitting on the couch watching parks and rec alone in the apartment I was starting to drift off into sleep when I heard a softer noise near the front door. Thankfully the show was very low in volume because normally I don't pick up on quiet noises most of the time. I turned off the TV and began listening. Next to the living room on the right side is the patio area and on the left is the kitchen and the front door. The light from the moon and outside lamps were flooding through the patio glass door so I could see the doorknob to the front door moving. Not just moving, but someone was using a key. In an instant the door flung open and I was on my feet, with nowhere to hide at that point. I stood my ground and saw the silhouette step into the kitchen. That's when I saw that it was the maintenance man. My stomach dropped and he stopped dead in his tracks when he spotted me Looking as if it was unexpected to find me awake I noticed he had a large coat on Even though it wasn't winter or even cold that particular night I noticed that only because the jacket looked so bulky As if he were carrying things in it that I couldn't see What the hell are you doing? Was all I managed to squeak out i was shaking my knees feeling like they were going to give out for reference i was a 22 year old woman standing a whopping five foot four inches with no way to defend myself at all from where i was standing he looked shocked which made me feel like i had gained a little power from the situation he retorted confusedly and angrily with your toilet's making a loud noise i could hear from my bedroom I was angry and terrified and only reacted with more anger when I saw him scrambling for excuses. So you just let yourself into my apartment at 2 in the morning? I'm reporting this to management first thing in the morning. He stepped closer to me then. I backed up a few steps but still stood my ground, quickly turning on the light closest to me so he could see my fury.
1: Your toilet
0: is rumbling. I need to check it. Now. Now I was trembling so hard I could barely stand. I had adrenaline and anger and fear all coursing heavily through my body. Get the fuck out. He started to take the liberty to look around the kitchen where he was standing. My head immediately thought, crap, what if he goes for a knife? And that's when he said it. I can come in whenever I want. That sentence makes me shiver to this day, I didn't know what to do, and I felt the power over the situation quickly dwindling down to a bad feeling that something bad was going to happen. If you don't get the hell out of my apartment right now, I'm going to start screaming as loud as I can. My voice was cracking and shaky, which made my heart drop a little in my stomach. I immediately felt like I was going to be sick when he took yet another step toward me. Check the lease. I can come in whenever I want. I'll see you later. (laughs) He winked at me, creating a wave of nausea, and I felt faint. He slowly turned around and walked out, closing the door behind him, and even going far enough as to lock it from the outside with his key. The next day i contacted management as soon as their office opened i could tell the conversation wasn't going anywhere when the manager sounded irritated right off the bat when i told her that the guy entered my apartment illegally she cut me off and told me that they do not allow any illegal activity and that what i was saying was very serious i thought yes i've got him until the manager said You can't just throw accusations around without proof. This man has dedicated over 20 years to work for this company and we don't plan on getting rid of him anytime soon. Perhaps if you had read over your lease, like you should have... Yes, she was literally actually scolding me. You would have seen in the clause that states a maintenance worker has keys to the entire property. And if there's a maintenance issue, they are permitted to access the property at any time of day. This absolutely floored me. It couldn't possibly be legal. Of course I'm from California and of course I did not read the lease carefully. When I moved there my dad was already living in the apartment and I literally had nowhere else to go. So if I were to be living there I was going to have to sign the lease no matter what. So I did. Needless to say nothing got done. Fast forward again. A few days go by and I don't see Mr. Maintenance Freak until i do this time i'm pulling in after a long 10-hour shift at work i haven't forgotten about the scary incident but i had put it at the back of my mind for the time being to concentrate on other things although i did lose sleep over it i park my car facing the large lawn area again and start using my phone for a few minutes I'm peering down at my phone and glance up for a split second before I see him there. He's standing across the lawn, staring angrily at me again, and I mean absolutely furious. I quickly look back down and pretend to not have seen him, getting that sinking feeling again. As a paranoid person, I put the key in the ignition just in case and pretended to be scrolling through my phone while subtly locking my door. I glance up again and this time he's stalking toward me, very fast. I look in my rearview mirror, hoping to see someone else that he may be stomping angrily toward. And of course, no one else is there. It's nearly dark now, but when he gets about 10-15 to feet away from the front of my car, I can hear him shouting something. But I can't make out what he's saying. Now I put my phone down and I'm watching him come right at me until he reaches my window and starts banging on it with all of his might and slams his body into the door. He's also fidgeting angrily with the handle, even though the doors are locked. My car does not have automatic locks, so I'm praying to God that all of my doors are locked at this point. My hands are shaking so bad that I'm having trouble starting the car. When I finally do, I realize what he's saying, which is a repeated cycle of the following phrases. I'm gonna get you, bitch. I told you to come to the driver. You will to get me or I'll kill you. I peeled out of there so fast, not even knowing where to go. I drove to the next county over, found a motel and stayed there for the night. The next day, I took off work and went straight to the management's office. I told them exactly what happened and no matter what I said, they did not believe me. This maintenance man was apparently God's gift to mankind or something. He was a monument to the company and they appreciated his 20 years of service and dedication to them over him risking someone's life with threats. Long story short, I completely lost it. I called her a psychotic C word and ended up getting evicted. I reported all of this to the police, but between the lack of evidence I had and his perfect record and shining references from his employers that seemed to love him, the police said that there was nothing they could do to move forward at this point. My dad and I ended up finding a nice home about 10 minutes away from that place. I ended up inviting Claire, my older neighbor, to the new house a few months later. She told me that there was a single woman in the apartment before the roommate and my dad had moved in there and also left in a hurry after something happened with the maintenance man taking photos of her walking to and from her apartment to her car. When she confronted him about it, he told her, I can do whatever I want. I guess in Kansas City, maintenance workers are like God. They get away with whatever they want and have shining reputations. Needless to say, it's been four years and I'm back in California. So, thankfully, creepy maintenance man, I will not be seeing you again. And I'll kill you! Thanks again to my Patreon members for supporting this podcast and keeping it going. And thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Sweet.